You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an audio-only edition of Locked On Seminoles. Take two because I forgot to hit record the first time. That's right. A lot goes into this, guys. There's a there, there's production. There's Restream. There's Zoom. Today, Restream was giving us fits. We have to go to Zoom. I can't really use Zoom's video because I'm having a quality issue there. More details than you care about. I, it's audio-only. We love you. We appreciate you being here. And if it's your first time here, welcome. You got a heck of an episode. You got David Esquire and you got me. We're going to talk about some great recruiting news. We are not typically the recruiting outlet, but this is phenomenal stuff we're hearing right now. We're going to look ahead a little bit, maybe to BC, maybe sprinkle in some basketball. There's a game tonight as we record this last night as you're listening to this. And then David... I want to get your take on the season as a whole because did that with Drake yesterday. I gave everyone my opinions and we can't leave the third amigo out of it. So before we do any of that, before we talk about opinions, before we talk about Jimmy's and Joe's or X's and O's, how are you, buddy? You look good. You look, uh, you know, you got to get like a, like a flag or a picture or something on that wall. This is audio only max audio only. Um, Sure. Yeah to our listeners, but to me, it it feels like maybe um, I'm a lawyer Skyping my client from County jail. And uh, everybody, uh, sorry, you're getting the literal take two. This is our B game right now. This is uh, not our best quality content, but you're going to get the best of our B game. Absolutely our best. This is our best quality (laughs) content. You're going to get the best. Typically y'all don't get a warm up. We just dive right in. We've warmed up and we're ready to go. Just like it seems like, Tyree West, six foot three, 280 pound, four star, 96 overall rated recruit, defensive lineman from Tifton, Georgia, might be ready to flip over to Florida State. Tyree West has been committed to Georgia for, I don't know, a year. Timeline looks like, yeah, pretty much the only one to go to Georgia. He's the 89th rated recruit nationally. And he is coming down for what I'm deeming an emergency visit. Folks, the whole point of official visits is, yeah, to see the school, talk to the coaches, all that. But it's also to get a feel for the campus, to get a feel for the game day atmosphere, right? To be in Dope Campbell, to see what the fans act like, to see what it's like when the team runs out of that tunnel. So it's a little odd that, he didn't come down last week, last weekend for the Miami game. And now all of a sudden he's like, oh, I got to I got to get down there for my official on a Wednesday of an away week. That's a really, really good sign. Yeah. You know, we call that everybody, Max, you and I do this. It's called a business trip. Yeah. You go somewhere on a Wednesday. It's a business trip. Uh, if Kirby Smart wants you on his football team, specifically in his defense, I want you on our football team and in our defense. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've said this before. Jimbo Fisher built that championship team on a D-line and an O-line. You win the battle in the trenches, 
you win games. That's how he built our championship team. And I don't know that we can or will get back to that until we do that. And this is exactly the kind of start you need, starting with a composite top 100 D lineman, probably after we lose some important pieces on that line. Yeah, we're going to take a hit on the D line for sure. We're losing Kier Thomas. We're losing Jermaine Johnson. Those two yeah. alone, I think we're losing it. I mean, Fabian Lovett could go to the NFL. Good. He could, you know, I wouldn't blame him if he did. He's had right. a good season. That money. Um, I got to think, though, you know, D line is such a, I, you know, I'm not Look a big at Marvin Wilson. Line. Well, but it's such a deep position that it is one of those where you kind of want to stay in college a little longer because. Typically, though, look, if he gets a good grade and he says, hey, whatever they tell him, maybe they tell him fourth, fifth round. He's like, hey, that's good enough for me. Boom. I, I, like, I'm not going to blame the guy. Go make some money. Fabian, this conversation isn't about you. No offense. This is about the fact that regardless of his specific decision, that line needs to be reloaded. I think yep. this year we've seen how a great D-line can really mask the deficiency we have at linebacker because they cause disruption in the past game. They cause a lot of stops in the run game and they're just able to make it. So especially when you got that nickelback look on the field, which remember folks, every starter right now in the defensive backfield is coming back next year. And we're yeah. now starting to see, you know, Amari and Cooper. Uh, we've seen kind of Sidney Williams. He's more of a pop hitter guy all year. Um, you know, we've seen some of these other freshmen really develop. So I, I'm looking forward to what we have back there next year. If we can get the D line set, then maybe Kalen Deloach, you know, and uh, whatever Amari Gaynor develops into by next year is good enough to win you seven or eight games. Yeah, but it doesn't end there, Max, because coming back to recruiting, we're sure, going to get sorry. Travis Hunter. We're going to get Sam McCall, but it's not that's not it. Exactly it's not right. just about the DBs. Speaking of linebackers, there's some potential coming in the future of linebacker. If you look at the crystal balls, Wesley Besant, crystal ball to us, Demario Tolan. Both of those are four stars. Demario Tolan was recently predicted as a flip from LSU. Those are two four-star linebackers. Again, that's a position that we haven't been good at since 2014, maybe. Anyway, a lot of great recruiting news. Uh, we're not typically the platform for the recruiting news, but that's awesome. If we can get a kid from Georgia, and if you're wondering, hey, Max, hey, Dave, why? Why is this kid coming on a business trip to Tallahassee at the last second when he's committed to Georgia? I'm not talking to you like you're stupid. I'm talking to you like you're an adult that probably has other things going on and you don't get to keep this stuff swirling in your head at all times. So let me explain from the beginning. There's an offer and then there's an offer, right? Kids get a lot of offers and schools give out a lot of offers. A school can take 25 freshmen in an incoming class. It's like inviting people to your wedding. They're going to send out 75 offers, maybe. I don't know the number. 65. But if you're Akron, you're going to send out 250. If you're Alabama, you might send out 35. The point is, when you start to get down to National Signing Day, then programs start to tell kids if the offer is committable or not. So Georgia can offer a kid and say, hey, we want you here. Kid can say, all right, I'm committed to Georgia. That doesn't mean anything. Until it's signed. Right. Exactly. So- I don't know if Georgia's telling him, hey, we've got someone else we like and we need to move you out of the class to make room. Or if he's looking at it going, okay, someone else is probably going to come in. I don't think the playing time will be there. I'm going to make that decision myself and go somewhere else. Regardless, guys, he's had an offer, at least of some kind, to Georgia 
since 12 to 2020. If Georgia has ever considered offering a defensive player, and I don't hear that he had some major off the field issue or he has some just crazy thing go down or some ridiculous injury, I'm happy to take their leftovers. Yeah. I, I don't mean this to sound like the little brother here, and this may be an unpopular opinion. I don't really care. Getting Georgia's sloppy seconds of top 100 players is like best case scenario right now. There is nothing. I don't look. If Georgia had 50 players that wanted to play for them and the bottom 25, but we're still top 50 players wanted to play for us, we could build a championship contending team on that. That's exactly right. Let me, let me phrase it a little better for you. Cause I know what you're trying to say. It a top hundred kids, a top hundred kid. Right. I mean, guys, we're about to finish with between four and six wins, possibly a winning record. If we really do it right, but an even to a losing record. And we're going to get the number one player in the country in Travis Hunter. Yeah. We might get a top 15 recruiting class. We might even break that top 13, top 12 number. And if that doesn't tell you that this staff has this program headed in the right direction, I I don't know what to tell you there. So really exciting recruiting news, Dave. I want to get your take on the direction of the program, the season as a whole. Before I do that, though, I got to thank our, our pals over at Made in Cookware. Made in, M-A-D-E space I-N, like, you know, made in your kitchen, made in China. You get it. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's not, not these. I don't know where it's made, but the point is they're damn good. It's great cutlery. We have the chef knives. I really enjoy them. I'm very- I got it um, too. Love yeah, it. yeah. It's great, great chef knife. They have over 40,000 five-star reviews. Their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants, and they're made to last, and they offer a lifetime guarantee. So guys, right now, Made in Cookware is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code Locked On. So go to madeincookware.com slash locked on, and then use promo code Locked On for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on, promo code Locked On. The program's so nice, you got to talk about it twice. It's a lot of Locked On, a lot of Locked On. Yeah, and I hope there's a lot of Locked On love out there today. And again, if you haven't done it yet, guys, go in your podcast app. You'll see the stars. Hit a review. Tell us what you love about us so we can read it on the air. I love doing that. And speaking of things I love doing, Dave, yeah, I love hearing that beautiful voice speak. So I'm going to run you through the hitters like we did last night. We basically said, look, this season's going to end one of two ways. A win at Boston College and a win over Florida and utter and pure elation or a loss to Florida and utter and complete devastation. Yeah. So in that vein, I think now is a good time to look back at the season because I think it's as objective as we're going to be able to be probably until like February or March. Yep. So we'll keep it shorter again because we're not dedicating the whole episode to it, but top of your head, one word, word association, what, what pops into your head when you just think back on the season quickly? Better. Honestly, better. I mean, better's good. God, last year was bad. The last two years before that were progressively bad. 
I think we hit rock bottom and I know we're a lot better than that rock bottom. And I don't, I didn't know if there was anywhere to go down from where we were last year and the year before that. And I don't want to know, but I know we're a far, we're far from that. Now you can just watch this team and see that it is not 2019 and 2020 Florida state football, which was not Florida state football. We're getting, <laughs> I'm not going to say you're an act again. I've said this before. Four and six isn't okay. Even six and six at Florida State is not okay. Right. Long term. But, right. But, and, and it's not like Miami's great or anything, but we hadn't beaten them in a half a decade. Um, we were competitive with Clemson. We were competitive with Notre Dame. We lost some games we should have lost. There were probably some personnel decisions that went into those and some personnel unavailability. I will be the first to say that Jordan Travis makes this football team better. Um, and I don't know what this season could have been. I know it could have gone just like last year and we would have just cried ourselves to sleep yet again. But even though we're only four and six, it feels a hell of a lot better than it did last year. Yeah. And I, I had a, I, I drove quite a bit today, had a ton of traffic. So I had a lot of time to think about this. And yeah, I, I came to the conclusion that I feel really good about how the team played regardless of record. I'm not, uh, like you said, I'm not happy with four and six. I'm not happy with six and six, but I'm trying really hard to compare this team in two ways. One, compare them to where they were last year. The defense and the FEMRAO FEI ratings, they were in the 120s. Yeah. Now they're in the 40s. Like we, we kind of joked in our KPIs. I said, I want them in the top 70. We were like, that's kind of a, a you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a substantial improvement. Yeah, and they've they've blown that expectation away. You, the you offense know what? Actually, scores like they put together. They put together drives. Right, and chunk plays don't look like accidents. Right, like that drive against Miami at the end. It looked like that was a deliberate deep pass, and then a deliberate throw on fourth and fourteen. It didn't look like oh, thank God we got lucky and you know somehow got into the end zone. Whereas last year, what seventy percent of our touchdowns felt like pure dumb luck. And you're just like, well, thank goodness we got one. I have a question for you. Sure. We talked, I don't, I think it might've been after UNC about not knowing what this team is. We've played more football since then. Some good, some bad, still better. But do you know what this football team is now? 10 games into the season. That's a really good question. And, and I think the answer actually is yes. We talked about the importance of establishing an identity. I think this team's identity is threefold. One, there's no quit on this team. They, they just don't quit. And that, again, I've said, I say it almost every episode. I'm going to stop apologizing for it because it is a real trait that needs to be part of your DNA to attack of Iloa national championship third and 17 or whatever, didn't quit. And they stopped Georgia from winning their first championship since, you know, glam metal was a a music genre. So that's an important thing to have Two, They're a hard nosed running team. Well, they, they will run from the spread, but they're a running team. I believe this team can run the ball on just about anyone, anyone outside about the top 10 defenses. (laughs) That's what I mean. Outside about the top 10 defenses, they're going to get a hundred to 200 yards on the ground and they're going to get creative with it. Uh, And three, the defensive line. I know that this team has it. Now we're going to have to replace some of those pieces next year, but I think that's become a pivotal part. A pivotal is not the right word. That has become a, 
a cornerstone of this team's identity is that defensive line. Like I just expect them to make plays. You just, you know, when you're watching the game, you're like, all right, maybe not this play, but something's going to come from that D line. So different than last year, huh? Team is last year. That defensive line wasn't getting any sacks. Uh, Marvin Wilson was in a lot of people's eyes underperforming. And yet our two defensive ends went drafted are doing better in the NFL now than they did in college. And our line got better despite having those NFL departures. Yeah, no, exactly. And I'm glad you asked me that question, though, because it's so nice to to be able to say, hey, this team does have an identity. I know what I'm watching. And despite whatever the record ends up, they got better this year. The coaching staff got better. I think Kenny Dillingham is a legitimately better play caller in game and 10 than he was in game two. No, not, not comparing him to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Comparing him to himself. This defense made mistakes in games two, three, and four that we haven't seen since then, you know? Something about Adam Fuller's message is getting across. People can love him. People can hate him. But you can't watch that defense and how they've played the last four or five weeks and say that someone should lose their job based on how they're playing. We can want better. And if next year they play the exact same, maybe we do move on. But it's not a fireable defense anymore. Whereas like in week three, that defense was the type of defense you get a pink slip for midseason, right? Yeah. Now, I... I do. Th- I agree with you. I do think that can change, though. Like you said, we're going to learn an awful lot in these last two games. It shouldn't be that two games makes or breaks a whole season. But depending on how this season goes out, do we lay a Jacksonville State or do we show that this team is who you just said you thought they were? That's that's going to matter how we go into the offseason. Look, I, I think that's a great question. I mean, I think, like I said, it can go one of two ways. And what's interesting is we have four wins. Our over-under total at the beginning of the season was five and a half. And folks, if you went to betonline.ag and you bet on the over, gosh, these two games are going to be very exciting. If you bet on the under, you're going to have some really conflicted feelings during these these last two games. So I hope however you bet, you used betonline.ag. They've got totals. They've got props. They've got basic bet on individual games. The full suite for your gambling needs. BetOnline.ag. When you use a when you sign up for an account, use promo code Locked On. They'll match your first hundred dollars with a fifty percent welcome bonus. So you put in a hundred, get one hundred and fifty to play with. Yeah, dude. Let's just let's just spitball here. Let's let's kick it around. Let's you know let's what's that thing they do in soccer? The juggling, you know, or they kick it to each other. I don't pay attention to soccer. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, no, I I think it's like. What I was just saying five minutes ago, not letting what we kind of had talked our expectations into become the standard. I'm not going to make having to win these next two games the standard. This season to me, I'll say it now, and I'll probably have to listen to this if it does go poorly. I don't think this there's anything that could happen that would make the season a total failure. You know, it's funny you say that. And I don't know Florida State fan me can't agree with that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening can't agree with that because if we go out knowing this Florida team, knowing that they have given up on Dan Mullen and, or Dan Mullen has given up on them, probably both. This is the most vulnerable Florida team we've played since four and eight, since they were four and eight and going out. And I'm not going to say that losing would be Armageddon and that it's win or die. But going out and looking bad against that Florida team, 
would really set me into this offseason not feeling great, regardless of all the good things you said that I totally agree with and that are hard to disagree with. I'm with you. No, I, I think that's a good point. But again, I, I think you can want to beat Florida really badly and realize that it's acceptable not to at the same time. This like, Florida team, though. Yeah, but I mean, look, this Florida team, I'm not excusing what they get, did against Samford, right? Well, Oof. they gave up 52 points, but they also scored 70. Like, yeah. now we've proven we can do that on a bad opponent this year, right? We did that to UMass. We just absolutely demolished them. But it's still a team that can score points. And this this offense, while, like I said, much improved, has more of an identity, not an offense that's designed to put 45 points on you. This is an offense that's designed to score 31 to 38 points and let the defense handle their business, right? So, look, they hit some explosive plays. Hey, let, let me put that. Let me, let, me, let me quantify what I'm saying. I wouldn't be disappointed by a 32-45 loss in the swamp. In the moment, I would be. But a month later, I'd look back and go, yeah, that sucked. We still put up 32. Um, we still improved a lot through the season. Now, if we lose 45-7, to yeah, I'm going to – okay, maybe then the season's a failure. I, I don't really know. Um, but again, that's all – Anyway, I think Boston College is the more interesting one, frankly, because I think that you're right. This Florida team spiraling. This Boston College team now has back a guy that was projected to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. Philip Dracovich is going to be throwing the ball. Boston College is undefeated with him. Uh, Drake will talk more about it tomorrow in the Know Your Foe series. If you all listen, we have a uh, the Locked On Eagles or Locked On Boston. I don't know what they call themselves. Whatever. Whatever. We, I tried. I, I tried to plug him. I did my best. All right. Come on the show. Drake's going to be there. That's all y'all need to know. He'll tell you about it. Exactly. He'll tell you all about it tomorrow. Don't you worry. So, Dave, what? let me ask you this. If you had to go one and one, I'm guessing you'd want to lose to BC and beat Florida. Uh, if we beat Florida, I don't care if we lose 1,000 to two to BC. I, I, I'm serious. I just want to make sure we're on the same page there. We I don't totally know if any, on- if any fan's going to pick the option A, but yeah, I, I was going to say, I, it's weird because I'll be so hurt if we lose this weekend and it takes away bull eligibility, but I'm kind of with you. Like we could, we could lose 52 to three this weekend. And then if we beat Florida in the swamp, I'm probably just going to forget. We even played Boston college this year. We need to win the state. We don't need to win the battle of chestnut Hill. I just don't care if we, I want us to beat BC. We should beat BC. I do think we're a better team than them, but at the end of the day, this season, the rest of the season is about Florida. That's it. That's so let me it. Ask you this then: If we make a, because I'm trying to add some structure as we get ready to send the folks off on their Thursday. Yeah. At, if we somehow make a bowl game here, FPI gives us a 9.9 percent chance. Other than the national championship, will it be the most excited you've ever been for Florida State making a bowl game? Keeping in mind that like we used to just assume you made a bowl game every year and it was just part of the season. So it's kind of a kind of a loaded question, I suppose. I think it was that last season. Wasn't it the last season that Bobby was here and we had to win that last game to play? Was it West Virginia or something? You know, I'll be honest. I I know the answer is yes, because um, I follow FSU enough. But I like in the I I don't I'm not going to pretend that in that moment. No, nine. I was paying attention. Oh, eight. I was paying attention. Um, I was like 16, I guess. Um, it's up to other stuff. So, uh, I'm looking at, no, it is. Yeah. I know. I know that's what it was. We had to win our last game. Bobby got carried off the field or maybe it was after we beat West Virginia in the Gator bowl. 
whatever it was, tax layer bowl. Yeah. Um, one of those, but no, genuinely, like I just assumed that going to a bowl was that thing you did if you weren't playing for a championship. And it was just like your last game and it was a party. And then we found out like you can actually not be able to go to a bowl game. Like they sometimes don't invite you to one. And Took it for granted. We did. So I genuinely believe that this would be the most excited I'd ever be to see our name pop up on a bowl bid. And honestly, I will probably drive my butt to Shreveport, Louisiana and go to that game. And it, it's top three. It's top three for sure because of what it would mean. It would mean we would have had to beat Miami and Florida in a three-week span in a season where Miami started the year ranked pretty high, playing Bama in a premier game, and where Florida started the year ranked pretty high, coming off one of its best seasons in a long time. Things you looking know, up Bama for both. A two-point game in the swamp, almost the, beating them. The start of this season – Things were looking up for both of those programs and things weren't looking anywhere in particular. Nobody really knew where this Florida state team was headed. Even Florida state fans were doubtful. And yeah. right now look at the graph. But bingo. And that's the last thing I'm going to say is, you know, it's, I would say right now, if we were all a room temperature, us Miami and Florida are all at like 74 degrees, but 74 feels different when the room started at 61 and the heaters bringing it up to 74. Then yep. when the room started at 85 and the air conditioners bringing it down to 74, we are, tr- however you want to take that analogy, whichever you prefer, yeah. hot or cold, I'm not going to label them for you, but we're definitely trending upward and they are both kind of at our level, but trending hard downward. And I can't think of a better way to end this season than beating them at home. Dan Mullen gets fired because yep. if, if he loses at home to Florida state, you got to think the bowl gator boosters are ready to see him go. No one likes the guy. Sorry, but he's weird. Let's just, let's just be honest. No one likes him. No one. They may like that. He got 10 wins last year, but no one wants to sit across the table and have dinner with him. He's just right. A, he's just a weird guy. And I do think depending on what he does against Missouri this weekend, but if that's even a close game and then he loses to Florida state. Yeah, I think he's gone. So that would be a great end of the season for me. Dave, you want to you wanna throw out any final thoughts? You want to let the people yeah. go on with their Thursday? Oh. Yeah, one final thought. I cannot imagine an objective football fan wanting the trajectory and momentum that Miami and Florida State are on, or Miami and Florida are on, over where Florida State is. It, like an objective fan would not rather be one of those two programs. That feels yeah. good. Couldn't agree more. And that is something we did not think we'd be able to say at this point of the season when we were having these conversations in August and I'm fired up about that. So dude, thanks for joining me tonight. Like you do most nights, folks, that was David Weiss Esquire, my co-host and my better half. Well, one of my better thirds, you and right. you and Drake, triumvirate. Are my, my, right. We're a triumvirate. I'm Max. And this was locked on Seminoles. Donalds. Boom. You want to watch some basketball tonight? Might watch it. Might watch it.